welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from Loop, and each episode I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. In this episode, I'm chatting with Andy Storch, host of the Talent Development Hot Seat Podcast and author of the book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. But before we get into it, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice to help others to find us. And thank you if you've done so already. Now, let's get into it. Andy, welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. David, thank you so much for having me on. I am so excited. You know, you and I have been connected, following each other for quite a while on LinkedIn, and I was excited to get you on my podcast mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and uh, really cool to be back for part two to talk on your show. Indeed, this is uh, this is part two. Uh, but so before we kick off, how about you give us a, a little bit of a, uh, a summary on your podcast, the Talent and Development, uh, sorry, Talent Development Hot Seat. Yeah, so I started the podcast in uh, 2018 uh, as a way to really connect with more people in the talent development world. I had come from consulting and uh, wanted to, you know, build my education, my knowledge, and my network in learning and development because I was running a lot of training programs and, uh, you know, wanted to build my network there and knowledge and, and find out more about what was going on. And of course, meet more clients as well. And uh, it, it's been a phenomenal ride. It's been over three years, over 250 episodes, something like that. Um, you know, originally it was just for me to learn and network, but, um, you know, the, the listenership, followership grew. And uh, back in January, 2020, my uh, friend Bennett Phillips and I hosted a conference called the Talent Development Think Tank that came out of the the podcast. You know, we had so many great connections with all of the guests that we've had on. Um, and it was a sold out conference. It was a phenomenal experience. We had uh, Josh Burson on our stage and Liz Weissman who wrote Multipliers, Michael Bungay-Stanier, uh, and so many other great facilitators and uh, met so many great people there. Mm. Um, of course, you know, after that COVID hit and uh, everything went virtual, right? I started a membership community, which we we can talk about. Um, and we kept the podcast going and um, I'm excited. Things are kind of getting sort of back to normal here in mm. 2021. And uh, what I love about podcasting is that I get to talk to so many really cool people like you and hear different points of view, and it really builds my knowledge. And of course, I want to share that with others. It allows me to also share these conversations and help and inspire others as well. Um, Mm. But selfishly, I love the, the learning and the networking that comes with it. Nice. Thanks for calling me a, a really cool person. I'm not sure my <laughs> seven-year-old daughter would agree, uh, but but I but I can uh, I'll wear it for now. Um, and uh, and we'll put a link to uh, to your podcast uh, in the show notes as well. And to confirm that's talent development hot seat uh, rather than talent and development hot seat that I uh, the muddled up. But that doesn't bode well. I'm sure you'll get better from here. Uh, check them up either way. Right. <laughs> Andy, you've also published. Uh, you've been busy. You've published a book called Own Your Career, Own Your Life, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed reading. So hence I wanted to um, invite you on the, the, the podcast to talk about it because I think it's important for learning and development uh, for themselves as well as uh, as for the the client groups they look after. So um, a bit of a tricky question perhaps to kick off with. How is this different from other books uh, on a similar topic around careers? Well, uh, the way it's different and uh, it stands out as unique is a couple reasons. One, uh, it's my personal story, my personal viewpoint, my, um, you know, my voice uh, if you will, and I have found over years, uh, over the years, and maybe you have as well, uh, especially when you get into things like personal development or even business books or um, inspiration, education. There are some people's voices that don't really resonate with you, and, and some people that do, right? Um, and I give credit in the book to a lot of the mentors and people who have inspired me along the journey. The other books that I've read that have inspired me, 
uh, and I wanted to be able to do the same thing. Another th- reason is that it it stands out in the career space because it's really more of a personal development book uh, disguised as a career development book. I I say it, and then within the personal development space, one of the reasons why I wrote the book is that I you know I've been in corporate consulting for ten years. Um, I've been an entrepreneur myself for about three years, and I'm heavily ingrained in the entrepreneurial world and the podcasting world. And uh, there's a message that I hear out there a lot, which is that, which is this, if you don't like your job, you need to quit the nine to five and start your own business. And I've heard that so many times. And there are a lot of people catering to that audience. You can go find podcasts and books that tell you how to quit and go start a business and, you know, you know, make your own schedule and that sort of thing. But what I've found in working in consulting, working with lots of different people in the corporate world is there are a lot of people out there who have no interest in being an entrepreneur. They have no mm-hmm. interest in running their own business, no interest in taking on that risk of, you know, uh, what you and I face sometimes, which is, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills next month. Okay. Um, you know, all the things that come with it, finding clients, et cetera. I love it. But for a lot of people that there's no interest in that, but what they do want is they want to be happy and fulfilled in their careers. They want to work mm-hmm. in a job that brings them joy that, you know, gets them excited to come to work every day. And I wanted to write this book to create that guide for them to go find that. You know, if you're if you're a little bit unhappy, figure out what that is and make that tweak. If you're really unhappy, um, here's how you go network and build your brand so that you can go get another job or change careers if you really want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to get it, you know, it's more directed towards employees in the corporate space to really find fulfillment and truly own their careers and prepare for the future because, you know, we never know what's going to be coming. And 2020, I think, taught us all a really big lesson mm-hmm. that we really can't predict what's coming, but we can we can uh, do things to prepare ourselves for major challenges or opportunities. And so I wanted to lay that all out in this book in a way that I hadn't seen in any other books, especially in the corporate space. Mm, yeah, I, I, that resonated with me, the way that you'd, uh, you'd lace the, the book with your story uh, on there, which, which takes it from the hypothetical to, uh, to the real. And you do touch on, uh, on um, the, the, the factors affecting work and careers in today's day and age, uh, as well as some of the, uh, the, the, the techniques that we are becoming well-versed in in learning and development. Um, uh, to that end, in the first part of the book, you, you explore using design thinking to help create a vision for yourself. Can you just explain to us how that works? Yeah, I've become a fan of design thinking, having used it as a facilitator in a few different organizations. And I think one of the key tenets of that, one of the really beautiful things of design thinking is that you get to come up with a lot of ideas um, without criticism, without really shooting them down um, and really explore different things. And what I want to inspire people to do is think about where you want to go in your career. And it's starts with self-reflection, really self-identification, understanding who you are, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, what do you love doing, what do you not like doing, what lights you up, what energizes you, what do people often compliment you on and ask you about. Uh, I find that most people don't take much time to really reflect on who they are and where they're going in their career, and then start to think about designing a career that is you know, going to be fulfilling for you and where you want to go. And the idea behind this is the more clarity you have on, you set a vision, the more clarity you have on where you want to go, the easier it is to make decisions when opportunities come up, when challenges pop up, um, either you know a recruiter calls and uh, you get a job interview and you know, eh, it sounds like a good job, but does it fit into the yeah. vision of where I want to go with my career? Or maybe the other side, maybe you get laid off like a lot of people did in 2020 and you have a new opportunity to kind of start over which direction are you going to go in? Are you going to be desperate and get take whatever comes your way? Or are you going to focus your intentions on getting into 
hey, you know, I hadn't worked in learning and development. I want to try to get into learning and development now, or I've been focused on, you know, training and facilitating workshops, but I really want to, you know, do more of the organizational side of things. Um, you know, where do you want to focus? Where do you want to go? And things can change, right? You're never making a commitment. You're not signing a contract unless you're a partner in a law firm or you're joining the military, right? You, things, you can always pivot and change later, but the more clarity you have on where you want to go in your career, the easier it is to make those decisions. It's also easier for people to help you. Uh, and I'm big on that too. I have a chapter on you know the importance of asking for and receiving help from others. You know, I think a lot of times we think, oh, we've got to do things on our own, or mm. it would put people off to ask them for help. But people love helping their friends. They love helping their colleagues. We love helping others. But we don't, it's the most frustrating thing is when someone, you know, says like, hey, can you find me a job? You're like, well, what do you want to do? Like, I yeah. can't help you. But if they say, I want to work in learning and development, specifically on facilitating digital programs, you know, whatever it is, then you can sort of keep your eyes and ears open. And when that thing pops up, you make that introduction, make that referral. So the more specific you can get uh, in your vision, uh, the easier it is to get help from others too. Yeah, it's about being intentional, isn't it? That uh, that that if you have a uh, a clear idea of what it is that uh, that you want, uh, perhaps some idea about what you don't want, then you're not seduced by opportunities that that you know there are red flags on that perhaps might be uh, left field, but they're. Uh, but they're not left field for for uh, for perhaps the right reasons. But being open to further opportunities that might be fulfilling for now, uh, rather than for forever, as you said. You know, it's not it's not that you're signing your life away. And there are interesting yeah. ways of considering the uh, uh, the career as well. Now, what what is it that uh, uh, the guy from LinkedIn uh, wrote about saying? It's more like a tour of duty, or people considering it a tour of duty, where you go along for the experience and for the development. You know, it's not uh, it's not going to be for long. Uh, maybe a yeah. couple of years. You'll be good for the organisation. It'll be good for you. But hey, I've got no expectations that uh, that that this is for life, or that uh, that this is this is going to be more than than perhaps the job description states. And so so being intentional about about what it is, where you are, and, and ultimately perhaps where you want to go, or you know, not perhaps the you know that's that's a luxury for a lot of people that they don't they don't understand what they want long term, but it's but it's okay for now. And you know, you, you talk in the book about well, you, you take a multifaceted approach um, to recognizing purpose, which I think uh, leads nicely on uh, from there, both for yourself and the organization you either work for or you want to work for. Could you explain a little bit about purpose in this regard? Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point of what you're saying there, the tour of duty, I think it's also, you know, it's really great, important to understand your values and your purpose, mm -hmm. um, what drives you, what lights you up, what what's fulfilling, and realize that, you know, the old traditional model of the career ladder is has changed a lot, right? Yeah. And you see a lot of people moving around. I, I hear people talk about it. There's more of like a rock wall where you go up sometimes and down mm -hmm. sometimes. And I just interviewed uh, a, a fantastic member of my community this week, Jess Omley, for my podcast, who talked about making a career move where you know she essentially took a step down in title and money, uh, but she was going to be working for a boss that she knew was going to be so great to work for. It was going to help her grow and challenge her. Um, there were another, you know, other opportunities that were part of that that were going to be really fulfilling. And so we're all there are always trade-offs in all these things that we do when we look at our career. And we I think it's important to ask ourselves what what are our values, what's important to us. And you know, maybe money's not everything, maybe title's not everything. Maybe you value having uh, you know, a, a, a schedule where you don't work as much and you get to have dinner with your family more mm. often, or maybe you are trying to climb the ladder and so you take on extra projects because you want to be uh, you know, chief learning officer one day. It's really up to you. And the key is, you know, with finding your purpose. 
and it doesn't have to be something grand like I'm I'm going to change the world or you know end world hunger or something like that, right? But your purpose is what drives you. It's the why behind what you do. Mm. And in the way I introduce it in, in the book is really asking the question, why do you go to work every day? And mm. the cop out answer is because you know they pay me a salary and it pays the bills. But you really could work anywhere, right? If you live in uh, the United States or Europe or 90% of the world, like you have free will, you have choice to work wherever you want and do what you do. A lot of people don't realize that, by the way. They mm. feel they feel like they have to do whatever they're doing, but you do have freedom, you do have options, and you're going to this job or running this business for a reason. So why do you go? And if you're not happy about it, and you're just kind of dragging yourself there. Um, maybe it's time for a change, or maybe you just need to change your perception, your attitude, and think about what's the reason, what what's driving you? Is there a personal purpose? Um, you know, I, it could be as simple as I want to make enough money that I can provide for my family and take a nice vacation or holiday every year. Mm. Uh, it could be greater, where you feel like you're making an impact in the job you're doing, you're adding value, um, and it's always nice when you get, if you work for a company where you can connect it to the company's purpose and mission, and you feel like okay. I'm contributing to what this company is doing and we are making a difference in the world, right? An example would be if you work for a pharmaceutical company right now and you feel like, uh, you know, like a Pfizer or someone with a vaccine or someone that's contributing to, uh, you know, ending the COVID-19 pandemic or you work in a healthcare organization and you really feel like you're making a difference in saving lives and helping people, that's fantastic. That helps get you more excited um, to go to work. And at the end of the day, the why, the purpose, you know, I talked about what drives you when you're setting big goals, you're going to run into challenges and it's the why that gets you over that hump and helps you push through the challenge. And when you don't have a really compelling reason, then that's when people often give up uh, or burn out, right? Because they're just not excited about what they're doing. I think what you're touching on there as well is that, uh, that there doesn't, there's not necessarily just one overriding purpose, but depending on your life circumstances, there might be purposes and they yeah. may change. You know, you, you just described there about, you know, like, there might be a period where you want to spend more time with, uh, with your family and there might be a time earlier on, or, you know, or perhaps uh, later on or, or during, if that uh, depends on right. whether you want to get away from the family, about um, whether you want to drive forward. You know, this is, this is, the, this is the time where uh, you, you really want to motor forward and make progress. And then there is going to be a time when you're thinking about retirement and uh, and thinking about when's the what it is that you need to do in order to retire as early and as comfortably as you can. So so I think that there's something about being uh, being attuned to the dynamics uh, at play uh, within a particular purpose because you know there's there's, there's got to be it's got to be quite soul destroying to recognise at some point that you're striving for a purpose that is kind of out of date. That you know mm -hmm. that you're you're not gaining fulfillment because you were clear on a purpose before or you know or or higher level goals that that yep. just aren't as applicable uh, anymore. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now the rest of uh, of part one in your book is about turning thinking into action, but then part two looks at future proofing your career in the face of imminent changes. Could you give us a summary of some of the drivers and tactics to address these? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, David, I know you are. Uh all in on this topic, right? This idea of looking at the future of work and how things mm. are changing and adapting to that. You know, when you think about the world of work, uh, especially over the last year, the pace of change is faster than it has ever been before. And yet it is slower today than it's ever going to be in the future, which means things mm. are speeding up. Things are changing all the time. You think about jobs that we have today that didn't exist 10 years ago. You and I both have uh, podcast editing teams and production teams. I mean, that probably wasn't a job a decade ago, right? Almost every company has a social media team that didn't exist a decade or two ago. 
And that means there are a lot of jobs that exist today that won't mm. exist in 10 or 20 years. So I think we really need to prepare ourselves for the future, whatever might come. I think the days of getting your college or university degree and then working for 40 years in that profession, doing what you learned in university, I mean, those days are over, right? That's not yeah. going to happen anymore. It's not going to work, right? You know that things are going to change. Your job is probably going to change. And so I'm a big advocate of preparing for that by doing uh, three things. Number one is investing in continuous learning. You know, we can't stop at that formal education. And I know we're on a learning and development podcast, so I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, right? <laughs> I, I haven't met anybody in L&D yet who does not believe in continuous learning. Um, but I have met a lot of people in HR and L&D who, um, you know, I, I want to call you hypocrites, but spend a lot of time uh, helping other people learn and don't spend much time themselves making sure that you're sharpening the saw uh, to use a, a metaphor from a story that I used in my book that was in Stephen Covey's book as well about the, mm -hmm. the lumberjacks. But it's all about investing, making sure that you are blocking time, spending time on a weekly, monthly basis, uh, learning, keeping up with the latest trends, what's going on in your industry. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already doing that, right? You could also be reading books, taking courses, going back to school, um, following people uh, like David and and me on LinkedIn and many others, right? Um, mm. Reading the you know the latest reports from Josh Burson on what's going on in the industry. Um, lots of different things we can be we can keep continue doing. In addition to learning, though, uh, I think it's really important to be building our network. Uh, mm. So building a network both inside your organization and outside your organization is going to help you prepare for whatever might come in the future. Because when that job comes up, uh, I don't know about you, David, but Every almost every job in my career has come from a personal relationship. Almost business every business opportunity has come from a relationship, something or someone in my network. I see the jobs fill the fastest from things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're trying to get into a new career, a new field, it's going to be really helpful to start building relationships in that space. Uh, so I talk a lot about building a network. And then the third thing you can be doing to prepare for the future is building your personal brand. Uh, and this is something that a lot of corporate people are not really thinking about. But it's really important. It's integral to your career success. So a personal brand, or you can call it professional brand, uh, is really nothing more than your reputation. Mm -hmm. uh, and your reputation is, what do people think about you? What do they say about you when you're not in the room? And you can impact that by how you show up at work, how you collaborate with people, um, the way you operate and the types of projects you take on. Uh, so internally at work and then externally with not only how you network and go talk to people, but how do you show up on social media as well? Do you share content on LinkedIn and Twitter? Uh, do you comment and interact with other people's mm -hmm. content? Um, and that is something that can inform your brand uh, in real time. And also something that, you know, I've spoken with recruiters about this. If they're looking at you up to possibly put you up for a job, uh, besides looking at your resume, they're going to go to your LinkedIn profile and see, you know, have you shared comment content? Um, you know, how have you been interacting with other people on there? Because it informs the type of person you are, what you're interested in, what your knowledge is, are you curious? Uh, and I think all of that feeds into your brand and your reputation. And as we go into the future of work, I'm putting in air quotes and more of a quote gig economy where things are more project based. I think that, you know, hiring managers are going to be looking more at reputation just as much as skills and experience. And that's going to be a big factor in whether you get that project or get that job. So highly recommend people think about uh, in addition to learning and networking, um, but also that personal brand or reputation as well. Yeah, you're right. It's, uh, you know, whether it's um, uh, potential employers or, or headhunters or, uh, or anybody else, uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's an indicator of, of who you are by what's not available publicly as much as yep. what is, perhaps even more. If you don't have perhaps a, a LinkedIn profile, if you're not 
uh, if not uh, um, uh, visible, that you know, rather than uh, you know, incredibly active, then then that's recognised, and uh, and and wondering what your contribution is. People are looking for that that holistic view. Uh, when uh, um, when I'd left Disney. Uh, and, I, and, and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I, I started to, to look at other roles, and roles at uh, director level in learning and development. Two roles specifically that I looked at were asking for thought leaders. I mean, my thought, my, I mean, mm. like, and I, it, yeah, back then, this, this would have been uh, 2014. I was, think, I was thinking then, what, why would a thought leader be going for this job? Um, but, but I mean, I think it's a, an indicator of the kind of profile that they're looking for, somebody right. who does at least influence the profession somehow with uh, with their viewpoint and i think that uh, that is only going to increase so that was director level what six years ago six seven years ago mm. uh, this is going this is going to filter down and become uh, you know pe- people are going to have a good idea about who you are or seek a good idea of who you are perhaps before an application comes in now yeah. you reference andy uh, many other books uh, along the way uh, one in particular the miracle morning uh, which seems to have been pivotal uh, on your own journey could you shed some light um, or shed some insight, sorry, into what this book did for you and other important books that you reference. Yeah, you know, a big reason for this book and everything else uh, I've done, the success I've had over the last few years is because I discovered uh, that book, The Miracle Morning. And if I take you back to uh, January 2016, uh, my life looks really great on paper. I've got a, a consulting job making six figures. Um, uh, I'm married. I've got a, a kid and another second one on the way. Um, living in my hometown and and life looks good, but inside something felt like it was missing for me, mm. um, and I didn't know what it was. You know, I was uh, 36 years old, 35 years old. Uh, life looked good, but something felt like it was missing. And I heard this man Hal Elrod on a podcast, and it just hit me right away that this is it. Like I am missing this, and I need to check out his book called The Miracle Morning. So I bought it right away and I read it. Uh, and the book, of course, is about a little bit about his own journey from going from uh, you know successful coach to losing everything, and then he started looking at and googling what are the habits of the most successful people, and he picked out the six most popular habits, most common habits, and he put them together in one morning routine called the Miracle Morning. Uh, and uh, you know the idea is that you get up an hour earlier, earlier than you normally would, or however much early you can, to practice these six things, which are uh, meditation, affirmations. Uh, visualization, uh, exercise, reading, and uh, writing in a journal. And I had always, I had always already kind of been a morning person. I was big into exercise, but I had never meditated. Um, I hadn't been using a journal. I'd never used affirmations before. And so I started doing these things uh, every morning and uh, they have absolutely, absolutely transformed my life. And one of the things that, and I've gained so much from this over the last five years that, you know, I gave Hal Arad in the Miracle Morning a lot of credit in my book. And I was very, I'm very fortunate that I've developed a, a bit of a relationship with him and he endorsed my book. Um, but I started growing more. I started reading a lot more. Uh, and maybe some of your your listeners can can relate to this because I think we are all, this is the Learning and Development Podcast, right? We're all interested in learning and growing. Um, I loved books. But I would typically read a book, open a book when I got went to bed at night. So I would lay down after getting the kids to bed and everything, lay down, open a book, and I would read about two pages and then I would fall asleep, right? <laughs> um, and so how many books would I, business books would I read a year? On average, about two. Uh, after I started uh, doing this Miracle Morning practice where I would actually dedicate around 20 minutes each morning to reading uh, a business, nonfiction book, self-improvement, parenting, relationships, you name it. Um, 
I started averaging between 25 and 30 books a year. Yeah, big, wow. big difference just by mm. dedicating time. So going back to the conversation about continuous learning, you've got to, you've got to dedicate and invest time in doing it. And then, you know, the meditation has completely helped me uh, along my journey. I think I've meditated, you know, almost every single day for the last five years, save for five or six. I'm on a streak of 550 days in a row right now. Mm. Um, and using that journal to track my progress on goals and things that I'm trying to achieve has been really instrumental for me as well. And so that book had a big impact on me. And I knew I had an opportunity to do the same thing and have an impact on others and really inspire others to take some action to really own their career. And so I wanted to put everything um, that I had from what I've learned and what's made me successful in my book, and also a lot of recommendations on habits in there and um, use it as a tribute back to how Elrod and the Miracle Morning and several of the other books that I've read. So you see it prominently mentioned in there. I'm not, I'm not one of those people that, you know, you kind of see this, um, we all learn from others and then people try to pretend that like, oh, I just made all this stuff up myself, but <laughs> no, I want to give credit to those that I learned from. Um, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants, right. Mm -hmm. And learning from people all the time. Uh, and that allows us to continue to grow and improve. And the other thing I wanted to mention was going back to the beginning of my story in 2016, I felt like there was something missing in my life. And what I realized was missing was growth. I was not growing on a regular basis. You know, I had finished college. I had gotten an MBA back in 2008, 9, 10. Um, it had been a few years and I wasn't really growing. And since then, I have been reading, learning, growing and contributing. So I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. He, he has his six uh, human needs. He talks about all the time. The top two that I believe are the two things that truly drive fulfillment are growth and contribution. Mm -hmm. And by uh, investing time and learning, by always uh, learning and growing and networking, connecting with others, and also sharing like what we're doing, I feel like I'm contributing and it's driven so much more fulfillment. I'm so much happier now in my career and my life. And so I want to inspire other people uh, to make sure that you are also growing and that you're finding the things that bring you happiness and fulfillment. Uh, and that's what this book is about as well. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, and, and as well as um, uh, techniques uh, and the insight from uh, from other areas, you talk about mindset, which is uh, uh, which is a key area you explore um, too, due to the length and depth of commitment required to achieving longer term career and life goals. What is it about mindset that we should pay attention to? Well, I think mindset is is everything, David. I think that there, there are going to be a lot of challenges that are going to pop up in our careers, especially when we're going after big goals, you know, whether you want to be CLO one day or, um, you know, you want to manage a great career and feel like you're contributing and be there and be a great uh, wife, mother, husband, father, uh, friend, whatever it may be. Um, there are going to be challenges that come up. And I've faced many, both professionally and personally. Uh, and I find that the more we do to really develop a an ownership mindset, a resilient mindset, uh, the easier it's going to be to get through those challenges and the happier and more fulfilled we will be in life. So one of the the facets of that is uh, embracing uh, the growth mindset. So uh, many of your listeners may be fans of the book Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck. That book was another game changer for me, both as an entrepreneur, as a person, as a parent. That um, really allows me to go out and try lots of different stuff without worrying so much about failure, because I believe everything in life is about learning and growth. And so I've developed the mantra, which I originally learned from Hal Elrod, I believe, and um, also from this book, Mindset, that there is no such thing as failure. There's only learning and growth, right? And when you believe that, you could try a lot of different things. You get rid of that perfectionism that plagues so many people, causes so much stress and anxiety. Um, mm -hmm. And then I want people to really develop an ownership mentality, which means you take full responsibility for everything going on in your career and your life. 
uh, and avoid being a victim. So this means that everything in life happens for you instead of to you. And when you really believe that, and it's hard when big challenges come up, um, but you stop complaining, you stop being a victim, you stop worrying, well, my boss did this to me, I'm in this situation, I can't change it. Well, there are things that you can change and you stop focusing your energy or worrying too much about the things that are outside of your control, the economy, what the leadership is doing inside your business, politics. I mean, these things are outside of your control, right? But there are a lot of things that are inside of our control, like how we show up at work, how we show up for our family, relationships, what we do to take care of our health, um, how we operate, how we spend our time. Uh, A lot of people don't realize that's well within our control. And we focus most of our energy on what's in our control. Um, I find that it drives a lot more fulfillment and happiness. And then we can choose happiness. A lot of people don't realize that as well. But you know, we, we oftentimes are delegating that to like, oh, when I get this promotion or when I get this other project or I get this raise, I'll be happy. But we can choose to be happy right now. And that starts with gratitude, right? So gratitude being really important, being grateful for the situation that you are in, the life that you have, all the things that surround you, no matter what's going on, uh, we can always be grateful for certain things in our life. And I think when we focus on that gratitude, we choose to be happy, we focus on what's in our control, and we truly believe that life happens for us and not to us, uh, mm-hmm. then that really drives a lot more fulfillment and happiness. And it sets us up to be able to turn challenges into opportunities, which I'm a big fan of. Because as I said earlier, when we're facing big, we're, we're going after big goals, we're going to have challenges. Things are going to mm-hmm. co- pop up, right? You know, there are going to be layoffs. Um, you're going to run into health challenges as I have Um, you know, who knows what's going to come, but the more you've done to build this resilient mindset and the belief that things in life happen for you and that you can turn challenges and opportunities, um, the better off you're going to be. Because there's a lot of things in life you can't control, but you can control how you respond to things and how you operate and how you spend your time on a regular basis. And I think all that factors into mindset, which helps us be more successful in our careers. Mm. And of course, um, uh, how we uh, how we respond is determined a lot of the time. Well, it's determined by us, but of course, it's the external factors, and uh, uh, and we've we've touched on some of the uh, some of the changes affecting careers right now. But I wonder if we could just do a, a bit of a summary here and uh, and talk about. And the reason I asked because the you know the first question was about how how we, this book is different from uh, other books of a similar topic. And one of the things that I found was the distinction was that it's very much about now. Um, you know, you you, you reference. Um, uh, external factors that 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 are affecting people today. It isn't about you know. It isn't a book that references old tropes. You know that that might be 10, 15, 20 years old. So in That's what right. ways would you say careers are changing uh, that both organisations and individuals need to pay attention to today? Well, I think I know you're seeing it, David. Like we're recording this in the middle of 2021 as we're kind of coming out of this pandemic. You know, the, the COVID nineteen pandemic changed everything. Right, so many companies mm-hmm. that said, oh, you must be in the office. Otherwise, we don't think you're working. Everyone's working remotely, right? And now some companies are uh, asking people to come back to work and or mandating it. And there are a lot of employees that are saying, no, I don't want to, right? And there are some that can't wait to come back. And what I think we're going to see is that uh, the personal preferences of employees, of people, where they want to work, how they want to work, much more taken into consideration. Um, we also saw the, the rise of the social justice movement in 2020 as the, de- uh, as the result of the death of George Floyd. And a much, much more conversation and attention paid to diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, those sorts of things, and a lot more people demanding that type of stuff. Um, and as we enter the second half of 2021 and beyond, uh, I believe we're entering a bit of a renaissance in what's going on in the economy and the career world where uh, more companies are hiring now, 
People have more opportunities to choose how they work, where they work. I think there's been no better time to truly take ownership of your career than right now, because the opportunities are amazing, right? More companies are hiring. You can choose whether you want to work remotely. People can live wherever they want. Um, you know, this was kind of true for the last 10 years or so. Uh, I've been working remotely from my home office here for about eight years now. But for a lot of people, it wasn't a possibility. And now so many, I know so many people who, you know, work in traditional companies that said you have to be in Houston or you have to be in London are now off working in different cities, you know, or living in their hometowns or where they want to be. And we get to really choose how we live our lives and how we work and where we work. Uh, and companies are going to need to accommodate that. Uh, I mentioned also that, you know, the move to more of a gig economy, project-based stuff. Um, there are a lot more people with kind of side businesses, side gigs, if you will, mm. or side hustles. Um, there's opportunities to kind of build that, which can drive fulfillment in, in what you're doing. Um, so I think there's just more opportunities than ever before. And I want this to be a wake-up call for people who are kind of still sitting on the sidelines thinking, oh, like I'm waiting for my boss to tell me what to do. Like you've got to take ownership. Uh, mm. You've got to take the initiative because nobody cares more about your career than you do. And that might mean initiating that conversation with your manager too, if you feel like you're not getting the guidance and coaching um, that you want. Uh, but you know, it, it's really up to you. And I think there's no better time to really own your career. Well, that leads very nicely onto uh, uh, onto my final question, Andy. Uh, and you've you've gone some way to uh, to uh, answering it already. But um, this is the one million dollar question, Andy. If somebody is stuck in their career right now, what advice would you give them? So, if you're stuck, you feel stuck in your career. Um, I want you to start by asking why. Why do you feel stuck? Um, you know, a lot of times people just jump to like, well, this job sucks. I'm I need to go get a different job. But what is it that making you feel stuck? Is it your manager? Is it the commute? Is it the company? Is it the culture? It's the job itself? Is it the career track? You don't feel like you have uh, you know, a, a trajectory or anywhere where you're going to be going? Um, or is there something missing from your life like there was for me where you're just not really learning and growing on a regular basis? Or you don't feel like you're contributing or making a difference, or maybe it doesn't connect to your, your passion or your values or your purpose. I think it really starts with curiosity. Everything starts with curiosity. Why do you feel stuck and then if you do and you figure out what that reason is, are you willing to actually take a chance and do something about it? So educate yourself, right? Get my book. Um, there's so many other great books uh, out there. Um, my friend, Laurie Rudiman just produced a, published a book called Betting on You. Um, there's, um, I can name a hundred great career <laughs> books that are out right now. I'm friends with a lot of the authors that just do, you know, everything that's been going on. Um, so get, you know, get some books, listen to some podcasts, find some inspiration, uh, but then you've got to be the one to take the initiative and take some action. And, and I'll tell you a story of when I took action and it didn't work out, but I'm so grateful that I did. Uh, so going back to uh, more than a decade ago, I was working for a big insurance company and I felt stuck in my career. I felt like uh, my, my skills weren't really being utilized. I didn't enjoy the type of work I was doing. I was spending a lot of time uh, as an analyst working on spreadsheets. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty good with spreadsheets, but it's not what gives me joy, right? I'm a people person. And I wanted to be more out in the field talking to people. So I went to my manager, I took the initiative and I said, hey, I'd like to kind of pivot or tweak the way I work. And I think it would be better for me and for our company if I spent more time in the field talking to agents, it utilizes my skills um, and you know everybody would be better off. And he said, no, get back to work, go do the thing that I'm, I'm paying you to do. And that was a wake up call for me uh, that I needed to make a change. And I eventually, you know, I started reaching out to friends and I eventually got another job that was more of a dream job for me. It was exactly what I wanted to do, fit my strengths. Um, but I needed him 
to turn me down first. And I'm so glad that I went and took the initiative because I could have sat there forever waiting for my manager or someone else to bring something to me to recognize that I was unhappy or frustrated. And it was never going to happen. Mm. And I could have been miserable for the rest of my career. Conversely, he could have said, yes, he could have said, yeah, let's put you in this position. Let's set you up. Let's write down what your strengths are and design a job that is made for you, which I had a manager later in my career do that. Uh, her name is Jessica. She's the best manager I've ever worked for, but he didn't do that. But if he had, I might still be there today, right? Yeah. So this is the learning and development process. So those of you out there working in L&D, talent development, where you're, inf you're influencing managers, you know, we want man our managers to have these career conversations and be open to designing new jobs for people that have a lot of talent, because a lot of the retention problem that's out there is going to be because people are feel frustrated. They don't feel like they're growing or they're really utilizing their strengths or doing what they like to do. And if you work for a big organization, there might be an opportunity to do that. But when your managers close down to that, um, then you know, if you at least take that shot and they're not open to it, then you can go out and look for another job. And as I said in my book, uh, and this triggered a couple of people, especially during the pandemic, uh, there has never been an easier time to go find another job, right? Mm -hmm. Because of all the tools that are out there, uh, get on LinkedIn, start networking with people, uh, hire a career coach, go talk to some recruiters. Um, you know, people get jobs on, you know, Snapchat and Instagram and social media now, like just go network with people, uh, build your brand, and keep learning and you will find that next thing. And remember that, you know, we're all on a journey, right? And you might be unhappy now, just like I was in circa 2009, mm -hmm. but I figured things out and you will too. We have long careers. So have some patience and uh, do the work, uh, keep taking action day by day, and you will find something and you'll be glad that you took that action and that you stuck with it. Brilliant. Thanks, Andy. If um, if the listener uh, likes what they hear and wishes to connect with you and follow your work, how best can they do so? Yeah. So the book is called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. It's available on Amazon uh, around the world. Uh, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and Instagram and, and most of social media. And uh, if anybody wants more from this, I have some free resources on my website, including the five steps to owning your career and the top five most common career mistakes that people make. Um, I've interviewed dozens and dozens of people. I surveyed my network when I wrote this book. I asked people about their biggest career mistakes and I put them together in a report so you can avoid making these mistakes. Um, and you can get those by going to ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus, ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus. All that stuff is there. Um, feel free to connect with me on social media. Let me know you heard me on the LND podcast. And uh, if you like podcasts about talent development, check out the Talent Development Hot Seat as well. Wonderful. And Andy, we'll put links to all of those in the show notes. But uh, all's left for me to say, Andy, is thank you very much for being a guest on the Learning and Development Podcast. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. Love the conversation. Love what you're doing. I'm a big fan and uh, I'm so glad we, that you had me on. Whether we are advising others on their careers or navigating our own, it's useful to acknowledge how careers are changing and how societal shifts mean we need to shift our approaches to progress in our careers too. If you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning and connect on LinkedIn, for which you'll find the links in the show notes. And goodbye for now. <laughs>